On behalf of Pastor Henry Harder and the Renewal Singers, I welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. I'm Ed Peters. We return today to Acts chapter 2 and continue our focus on Peter's sermon to the assembled crowd on Pentecost Day. It was the coming of the Holy Spirit that brought the crowd together. Luke states that when the people heard the sound, they came together in bewilderment because each one heard them referring to those that had been baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in his own language. There were Jews from every nation under heaven gathered there on this day of Pentecost. So Simon Peter takes this occasion to explain to the crowd what had taken place. The pattern and themes of his message became common in the early church. First, an explanation of events. Second, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, resurrection, and exaltation. Then third, an exhortation to repentance and baptism. We are currently in the second section of his sermon focusing on the resurrection of Christ. We begin looking at the resurrection of Christ on our previous study taken from verses 30 and 31. Today we move on to verse 32. To drive home his point, that Jesus is the Messiah, he uses a portion of David's writings from Psalm 16. Here now are these verses, and Luke writes as follows. It is clear, therefore, that David spoke as a prophet, who knew that God had sworn to him that one of his own direct descendants should sit on his throne, and when he said that he would not be abandoned to death, and his flesh never suffer corruption, he spoke with foreknowledge of the resurrection of the Messiah. The Jesus we speak of has been raised by God, as we can all bear witness.
Here in verse 32, Peter is saying to the crowd that had assembled there on that day, that what you have seen, that is, the miracle of hearing your own language spoken by Galileans, has taken place because Jesus was raised from the dead. Now here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. In order to convince his Jewish audience of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Peter quoted from David the poet and author of many of the Psalms. I focused on Peter's quote on the last two programs. So Peter's first line of reasoning with his audience, his first line of evidence, was that the scriptures had predicted Jesus' resurrection. Now he notes a second evidence in Acts chapter 2, verse 32. Luke writes that Peter said, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Of course, no one had seen the actual resurrection of Jesus, but many had seen and interacted with the risen Lord. They could all testify, bear witness, to the fact that Jesus was very much alive after his death and burial. This is a powerful evidence of the resurrection. The law said that a truth in court was to be established by two witnesses, but the resurrected living Lord was seen by many more than two. This is incontrovertible evidence. I must stop here for a moment and focus on something that is attempting to destroy the doctrine of the bodily flesh and bones resurrection of Jesus. It is claimed that since the resurrection of Jesus is a supernatural event, that natural human historical verification isn't valid. So the fact that there were witnesses doesn't mean anything. Such data is limited to earth things and cannot be applied to eternity events. While the resurrection was a supernatural eternity event, Peter's point is that it was also earthly and physical. Jesus was raised in his physical flesh and bone body complete with the wounds present, so that earth proofs are perfectly in order. So Peter surfaced powerful evidence for the resurrection when he said, we are all witnesses of the fact. That was one of the many convincing proofs as Luke put it in chapter 1 of this book. During the 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his followers some 11 times. Some of these took place near or in Jerusalem itself. These are called the Jerusalem appearances. He appeared to Mary in the garden, to some women by the wayside, to Simon Peter himself, to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he appeared to a larger group of followers gathered in the evening of the day of the resurrection. A week later, he appeared to Thomas. Then at the ascension on the Mount of Olives, he appeared again to the disciples. Those were the Jerusalem appearances. Then he also appeared in Galilee. These are referred to as the Galilean appearances. There he appeared to the seven disciples by the seashore. Then he appeared to a larger group gathered on a mountain, Perhaps this was the time that Paul refers to when he writes that Jesus was seen by more than 500 at once. Finally, the Lord also showed himself to James, his brother, and later to Paul on the road to Damascus. How many persons were there who saw Jesus? At least over 500, 
and over a 40-day period. Little wonder, Peter said, we are all witnesses of the fact. Indeed, the resurrection of Jesus was a well-established fact. It was incontrovertible. In spite of that, there are those who refuse to accept that fact. There are those who suggest that the early Christians created these stories. These stories then were mere pious frauds for apologetic purposes. Or, perhaps the disciples had such a powerful attachment to their Lord and had such a strong longing to see him that they imagined that they saw and heard him. It was just wishful thinking. Or, since the body, according to the Greeks, was essentially evil, Christ was not raised in his former earth body, but he was raised in an immaterial body. But all of these explanations that try to void the biblical doctrine of the resurrection fail to do so. They are all contrary to the clear teaching of Jesus and the Bible writers such as Luke and Peter. It would be hard to convince the witnesses that they really didn't hear him or see him or talk to him or eat with him. It would have been hard to convince Thomas that the wounds he felt weren't the very wounds Jesus sustained at his crucifixion. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, as Jesus himself said. There can be little doubt that Jesus' resurrection body was the same as the body placed into the tomb. On the other hand, it was the same body, but it was also a glorified body. It had elements of eternity, too. It wasn't limited to time and space. While his body consisted of flesh and bones, as he himself said, it also possessed elements of glory. It was capable of acting independently of earth laws of time and space. It was what Paul called a spiritual body, not just an immaterial spirit, but a body controlled by the spirit. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, couldn't be said of Jesus' body. The spirit was willing and the flesh was totally up to the spirit's demands. Coming back to Peter's second evidence of the resurrection, he said to these Jews, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact. One last point. Human verification, however, is not enough. God's truth cannot be simply verified by limited human means be they scientific or any other. Even if modern historical research could prove that a certain Jesus of Nazareth was crucified and then his body came back to life, this by itself would do little. Others have apparently died and come back to life. But these have all subsequently died. Jesus was raised to eternal life, to give that life to anyone who wants it. Historical research could never verify that. That is where faith comes in. No amount of research is sufficient if faith is excluded. Simple trust pleases God most. When faith controls the research and the investigation, then the proofs, the evidence of his resurrection, take on meaning. Where faith is lacking, then any attempt to prove the resurrection will be futile. Believe God. Believe his word. He wants us to trust him. That's what pleases him most. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. I don't...
What's new is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.